Tonight, unleashing the Latino vote. From battleground states to the New York suburbs, a growing and diverse voting bloc is transforming the political landscape. Latinos and Latinas under the age of 30. Why these young voters could sway the 2024 election and many more to come. That as Metro Focus starts right now. This is Metro Focus with Raphael P. Roman, Jack Ford, and Jenna Flanagan. Metro Focus is made possible by the Peter G. Peterson and Joan Gans Cooney Fund, Philemon M. D'Agostino Foundation, Barbara Hope Zuckerberg, and by Jody and John Arnhold, Bernard and Denise Schwartz, Dr. Robert C. and Tina Sohn Foundation, the Ambrose Monell Foundation, estate of Roland Carlin. Good evening and welcome to Metro Focus. I'm Jack Ford. Latinos constitute one of the most rapidly expanding voting blocks in American elections. According to a recent analysis from the Brookings Institution, not only do Latinos have the highest ratio of first-time voters in the country, but that growth is fueled by young voters, Latinos under the age of 30. This youthful surge is significant when we consider that those new voters are concentrated in pivotal states like Arizona, Nevada, and Texas. The numbers suggest that the votes cast by young Latinos could indeed prove decisive in 2024. So who are these young Latino voters? What are the issues that matter most to them? And what are Democrats and Republicans doing to get their votes? And joining us now to take a look at these questions are Gabriel Sanchez. He is a professor of political science at the University of New Mexico and a fellow at the Brookings Institution. Maria Hinojosa is a veteran television journalist, the anchor and executive producer of Latino USA on National Public Radio. And Jolina Jimenez is a, a youth advocate with YVOTE, as well as a former youth leader with the NYC Youth Agenda Steering Committee. So welcome to all of you. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a lot to talk about here. So uh, Gabe, I'm gonna start with you if I can. And I talked in the introduction about some of the, the findings of the Brookings Institution's work. And one of the things that they highlight is the diverse nature of the Latino vote. So I want to ask you to start off by sharing some of the key findings there on the, the demographic makeup of young Latino voters. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on to give me some time to talk a little bit about Latino youth vote. And you're exactly right. I mean, when, whenever we talk about any large population like Latinos, we always have to recognize they're incredibly diverse. Um, one of the things that I always like to start with is just how young the Latino electorate is. Uh, roughly a third of all Latino eligible voters in the country are under the age of 30, 18 to 29 year olds. That's about 10% higher than the U.S. population overall. Uh, so whenever we're talking Latino politics, in essence, we're talking about the youth vote because we're just significantly younger than the electorate at large. So uh, what about geographically then? What are we, I, again, I mentioned a little bit in the introduction, but what are we talking about here in terms of the findings of geographical distribution, if you will? You know, given that Latinos are, are young relative to the overall population, they're relevant in essentially all parts of the country, but particularly out here where I'm at in New Mexico and the American West, 
In essence, if we think about key battleground states like Nevada, Arizona, in particular, uh, young Latinos, again, those under the age of 30, make up essentially 40% of all newly eligible voters in this region since the last election cycle. So I think, you know, they're relevant everywhere, but particularly out in the West. And you can imagine in any battleground state where it's going to be a tight margin of victory for either candidate, you know, this youth vote that's somewhat unpredictable in terms of their turnout can definitely make the difference in an election. I think it's important, and Maria, let me bring you in the conversation here, and as Gabe mentioned, that that we understand that you can't put a label on a group and assume that the entire group is going to think one way or act one way or, importantly, vote one way. From your perspective, Maria, um, how does this diversity within the group that Gabe described for us, how do you think it, it, it impacts the, the broader political landscape here? Well... This conversation, and it's great to be here with all of you, this is the conversation that should be nationally every single week, essentially. Just sitting and talking for half an hour about the Latino, Latina, Latine, Latinx vote. Um, what does it mean? Why is it important? How diverse is it? Like just having this conversation is actually a huge part of the impact. Why? Because most people don't realize and it's not the kind of like headline that we see, but Latino, Latina voters are the second largest voting cohort in the entire United States. Therefore, what Latinos and Latinas think about either political party, every single issue, voter participation, civic engagement, this is essentially what's going to determine the future of our democracy. And I know that people are like, oh, my God, she's getting like too over the top. You know, I mean, no, this is like this is the core. Our country and our politics need to understand that this particular group is there it, to be talked to. Right. They're they're ready to actually engage, even though the narrative is, oh, they're not engaged, they're disengaged. Not true. In fact, think about what happened in the last midterms, right? The midterms that went blue, uh, extraordinary. A lot of that had to do with Latino and Latina participation and very specifically with the youth vote. But, you know, I'm not young. I like to think in my mind, Jack, <laughs> they were eternally young. I mean, my my uh, older, older youth. Is you'll you'll always be young in my eyes. <laughs> but the point is, is that you have older voters who have been around a while, right, who are like, my God, if we don't get engaged in the political system, what's going to happen? And you have younger voters like my kids, right, who are in their 20s, precisely that group who are phenomenally engaged in politics, where climate and immigration and the economy are central points for them. And they're going to turn out and they're talking to their friends so that they turn out. And I just, I mean, I just wish that we could talk about the hope that that this potential electorate could deliver if only i felt that way about the parties that that the parties actually felt that this is such an important group that they should be engaged all the time we'll get to that in a moment because i do want to have that conversation about it but jolina uh, let me ask you something and it it plays off of something that maria just said where she said this is a group that that needs to be talked with not talked at but talked with so to, to un, better understand them. So from your perspective here, as a, a, a young voter, a community organizer, what do you feel are the issues that matter most to your community? 
I think this is kind of a loaded question because I think as was mentioned before, we are such a diverse community. And I think, you know, we come from so many different backgrounds. We look so different. And I don't know if I can be the voice for the entire young Latinx community, but I think what I found to be most important is, as was mentioned before by Maria, climate is a really, really big thing. Climate for all young people, but I think especially young people that tend to be from potentially more disadvantaged neighborhoods, you know, we're affected by climate in a very unique way that's not necessarily seen by the general population. And this is an issue that- How do you you mean that? Explain that, because that's a really, I think, compelling point about being affected by perhaps differently. Of course. So when I think about this, I just think about how if you are from an area that does not have a lot of green spaces, that potentially has a lot of industrial production in your area, you may not have access to the types of environments that give you the room to, you know, hold on, let me, let me rephrase that. Mm -hmm. I think in terms of climate, I come from New York City, which we know is a very highly industrial space. And I think that even in a space as industrial as New York City, there are places that have green spaces and there are places that don't. There are places where you feel this industrial culture and places where you don't as much. And as young people, we know that the climate crisis is real and this is an issue that we didn't necessarily create, but we are inheriting. And I think that it's just a problem that has always existed, but feels unique to young people and especially depending on where you come from feels more pressing. No, Jack, let me, let me jump in for a second because um, I'm thinking about, about this perspective of New York city, but also I'm thinking about young voters whose parents, for example, work not in New York city, but let's say in, in any kind of migrant labor um, in the fields where now, for example, in Texas, the governor of Texas said, well, farm workers, they don't need water while they're working, even though we all live through the the hottest summer in the world. Uh, So you have that experience of young people who are watching their parents have to work in conditions that are directly related to climate or who they themselves at one point had to leave their homes from wherever country because of climate, because of hurricanes that never used to happen, all of these kinds of things. And then to take it to New York, You know, I remember reporting in Williamsburg back 30 years ago when Williamsburg and all of that area was actually one of the most polluted areas who lived there, Latinos, Puerto Ricans, immigrants. And now it's a very different reality, right? Now you have green spaces, but the people who grew up there and raised their kids there, they deserve, I think that's what you're trying to say, they deserve those kinds of green spaces and that kind of safe and healthy uh, healthy air quality. And it's something that young people, young Latinos are definitely talking about. They are 100% feeling it. And la carne propia, as we say, they're feeling it on their skin. Yeah. Hey, Gabe, back to you a little bit. And, and let's let's stay with this this subject in terms of the issues that seem to be resonating. And it's, we're focusing right now on the, the younger Latino mm-hmm. community. What, what are you seeing in, in addition to what Maria's talked about, what Jolene has talked about? 
Well, I'll, I'll give some data points on climate change. Uh, we do see in the data consistently when we ask what's the most important issue to you that's driving your vote, we do see a couple of different demographic groups among Latinos in the intersection of those. One are immigrants, you know, foreign born Latino eligible voters, right? You think about what regions of the world they come from and those places are directly impacted by climate change and the ramifications for that, whether it's hurricanes, lack of water, right? Those folks know acutely what the consequences look like. And then the other demographic group are particularly young voters that are parents, right? So when we ask those folks in focus groups and surveys, you know, what do you think the future is going to look like for your young children, right? A lot of these parents have kids that are under the age of three. They're incredibly concerned of what the planet's going to look like when their young children grow up. And I think the easiest way to understand that is, you know, young people under the age of 30, they're going to live a lot longer than some of us that are north of that age. They're going to deal with the consequences of this. And when they have kids and grandchildren, right, they're they're incredibly worried about what the future looks like. Um, The other big policy issue that we saw probably more impactful than anything in 2022 among young voters was abortion and reproductive health care rights. Um, in fact, when we asked a large sample of, of voters, including about 5,000 Latinos, you know, what was your driving mobilizing force uh, for why you voted in, in 2022? Among those under the age of 30, folks said that abortion and access to reproductive health care rights was their primary reason for concern. 42% of, of Latinos under the age of 30, their primary reason. So I think that was a game changer. And that, we're already seeing right, abortion surprising? Gabe, was that surprising? I'll, I'll ask you the question first, and then I'm going to ask both Maria and Jolena their reactions. But was that surprising to you to see the number being not the that the issue exists, but the number being that high? Absolutely. I mean, I've been in this business polling Latinos for almost 20 years, and, and I've never seen abortion in the top 10, much less the top five of issue priorities for Latinos. And I think a lot of folks, once they saw in some of our survey data, that this was going to be an important issue. They ran with the notion that Latinos are highly Catholic. Um, all these backdrops, a lot of them no longer the reality from what we see in the data. So there was a perception this was going to be good for Republicans. Obviously, we know the opposite happened. And in fact, a lot of anger um, really directed at the Supreme Court for their decision moved Latinos towards the Democrats. And the primary reason for that in the data is not so much that Latinos are much more liberal on this issue, but overall, incredibly so among young people, they didn't feel it's government's right and responsibility to make these decisions for families and women. And I think that was really to be honest, a game changer that saved the Democrats in an election that could have been much different for them. Jolene, hey. what do you think about that? Honestly, as a young Latina, I am not surprised in terms of the way I think and the way that I know my peers think about the data. And this is not coming from knowledge that I have of data that existed previously. I just know that the young Latinx population, especially young Latinas, we, I think, have a new sense of self that I think is different from the women that have came before me. I know the women in my family, I come from a long line of young mothers. I come from a long line of women that had many children because I think culturally, that's kind of something we're told that you need to bear children and that is what you do. You bear children and you take care of your children. But I think now we see, especially for young Latinas, we're pushed to go to school. We're pushed, I'm in school right now, we're pushed to wait until it's right for us to have children or don't have children at all. And I think, like was mentioned before, it's not that every 
young Latina thinks that abortion is right or something that they would do, but they understand that not everyone's path is the same and it's not government's right to make the decision for other people and whether or not they are to bear children. So I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah. Maria, tying into this, but also coming back to a point you made before about the, the generational differences that that we, we might be seeing here. Is this an area where you think it might be reflected in terms of no. generational differences or not? Well, think of this, Jack. Mexico, the country where I was born, has legalized gay marriage and has legalized the right to abortion. Mexico is more progressive on these issues than the United States on the question of reproductive rights. So am I surprised? I, I'm fascinated by Gabe, who's like, I've been polling this forever and it's never been in the top 10. That is fascinating, even though um, in the Trump election, I think that the evangelical vote targeting Latinos and Latinas specifically on the issue of abortion in Florida was something that I was like, wow, I didn't think that uh, targeting to end abortion would get these evangelical voters to the polls. But in fact, that did happen. I think Gabe is exactly right. This is a turn for the Democrats in the sense of like this, this was something that was given, not given. I mean, obviously the vote is not a given. Um, I also think it's very important. I love what you said, Jolene, about the younger generation. I mean, look, I became politicized decades ago, even before I was a citizen because of the environment. We used to call it the ecology movement back then. And because of the issue of Roe v. Wade, this was the women's issue of the time. I'm very public about my own experience with abortion. I have no shame because I've been married for 32 years and I have two adult children. I no tengo ninguna pena, but I'm very honest about the fact that it was a choice that was afforded to me as a college student in New York City. So I think that this is that's why this conversation again is so important because just in this little bit, you're we're revealing information that we all know as Latino and Latina activists and and in this case a journalist, but it's important for the national electorate to understand how Latinos and Latinas feel about this. I'm also saying that Latino and Latina voters can be moved on the issue of abortion, but also to the right. So it's not a given. It's still one that is is very contentious. Interesting. And Gabe, that brings you into the, the, this, this conversation, because I wanted to ask about that in terms of party alignment here. Um, what are we seeing about Republicans and Democrats recognizing the power that we're talking about here? Uh, of the Latino community. Are we seeing that they recognize that? And are we seeing that they're taking steps to somehow engage themselves with this community? You know, I, I'd say that the jury's still out on that question. I mean, it, it appears in some cases that there's more outreach, uh, more money invested in mobilizing Latino voters. Uh, but every election cycle, it seems like we're beating this drum. When we ask samples, you know, of actually confirmed voters, uh, that should be on everybody's list to contact. We often find half of those folks say nobody contacted them from either party. Um, so I think it's it's one of these that there's there's some you know suggestion that things are getting better in that part. But especially when we look at young Latino voters, we consistently hear the parties aren't reaching out to them and not reaching them in ways that connects to the issues that they care about and where they get their information from. Um, so a lot of it is just you, you got to reach people where they are, right, and talk about the issues they care about for it to actually have an impact. 
Jolena, one of the things that you're involved with, I talked about in the introduction, you're an advocate, you want to get people out there to understand issues and to vote. What are you doing in terms of, of trying to mobilize and trying to reach out to, to especially your generation to get them to understand how important it is to vote and what they have to do to make sure they can vote? The work that my organization primarily does is we have a commitment to being bipartisan. So all of the information that we provide and the activities that we do with our primarily high school aged base is not necessarily to get them to vote one way or another, but to empower them to know that they can vote, that they should vote, and that they have the knowledge now to vote however which way they choose. Something that I've learned from talking to a lot of our young students of color and specifically Latinx youth is that they feel that their vote doesn't matter. And I think this is really substantiated by the fact that candidates are not reaching out to them. And I think this comes from the fact that candidates have for so long been able to bank on the Latinx vote through identity politics. And that's something I feel really strongly about because I think that Democrats have assumed for a long time that we're a Democrat, and especially if you're a Democrat of color, that you automatically have the Latinx vote because they assume we're uneducated. They assume we don't care. And that has never been true, but especially not now. Young Latinx voters are beginning to empower themselves, and we are empowering each other through organizations such as mine, where we are reaching out to young people and giving them the political and civic knowledge that they need to be invested and educated in all of the issues that are currently going on, both on a local and federal level. And I've been seeing really great progress in our young Latinx community that we work with, both in my organization and just in my personal life, about being invested in politics and knowing that they have the knowledge now to vote and that they have the power to vote and that their vote does in fact matter. Yeah. Gabe, uh, Jolita mentions an interesting thing, and that's the need to educate, especially the younger generation here. And that brings up the question of where do you get your information from? And I know that some of what you looked at here answers to some extent that question for this group. What'd you find? Yeah, I mean, a, a couple of points on this and also to reinforce really important point that there's this perception that young Latino voters don't care. Right? They're not engaged. We actually at my team, BSP Research and Equis Labs, did a series of focus groups talking to young eligible voters who actually did not turn out in the last election cycle. And we asked them that directly. Why didn't you vote? And overwhelmingly, the main finding was they care. They want reform. They want things to be different, but they don't see voting as a mechanism to bring about social change. And the reality is young people haven't seen that actually happen in their adult lifetime. So why would we expect them to believe that voting is this powerful driving force that can actually bring about the change they want to see? Um, to answer your question, a, a couple of points on this. One, we have to remind ourselves, uh, Latino voters under the age of 30 
Over half of those folks have voted for the first time in the last two election cycles. They're new to the electorate. They're new to the rules of the game, figuring out the process. Where do you go to get accurate information? And we find in surveys, they're overwhelmingly more likely than any other racial and ethnic group to rely on social media and digital media to get their political information. Uh, so we got to reach them through that standpoint. But unfortunately, we got to be very cautious of this other point in the data. Um, unfortunately, especially in Spanish, uh, misinformation is much more likely to target our community uh, because nobody's actually policing Spanish language media through disinformation. So if we know young Latino voters are getting their information digitally through social media, and we also know that's where everybody's trying to dissuade them with disinformation, I think we got to be much more aware of that and be much more forceful to the powers that be to try to fix that, because that's a big reason why young Latino voters are confused. They're getting overwhelmed with a lot of bad content that's intended to try to keep them from voting in the first place. Yeah. I've got about two minutes left here. Maria, let me come to you for sort of an overarching answer here. Uh, looking ahead to the 2024 election and tying in some of the thoughts we've had here, how do you anticipate that the, the two parties will, if they do it all, reach out to this community we're talking about? And what do you anticipate the results might be in terms of bringing, as Jolena said, especially that younger cohort into the process here. Look, I'm I'm speaking to you from Texas right now. And a lot of people are like, Texas, Latinos, there's nothing to do. Wrong. Latino and Latina voters, wherever they are, whether it's Texas, whether it's New York, whether it's Florida, or states like North Dakota, which had the highest percentage of Latino Latina population growth of any state in the past decade. And they, and you've heard it here, they want to be approached by the parties. Why did uh, Bernie Sanders end up taking Nevada? Because it had been shown that that campaign actually reached out to Latino Latina voters, particularly young voters, consistently. So the message is you need to reach out. I actually think the Republican Party gets it. I do think they understand that they have to go after this vote um, and they're going to go after it. And I think, as Jolina has said, the problem is, is that the Democrats oftentimes take this vote for granted. And it's the worst thing that they can do, not only for the party, but frankly, for our country and democracy. Because, again, how Latinos and Latinas, what they do, how they think about democracy, how they participate doesn't just impact us, the Latinos. It's going to impact the entire future of the United States. That's the headline. Yeah. Well, I, this has been a fascinating conversation. And Gabe and Maria Jolene, I want to thank you so much for bringing your perspectives and, and your, your, your thoughtful comments to this. I'm hopeful we can continue this conversation as we move down the road, because uh, there are a lot of things I wanted to get to and we didn't have a chance to. But again, my thanks to all of you for, for contributing, as I said, this terribly thoughtful this process here amongst all of you. You all be well. And we'll look forward to talking with you again real soon. OK, take care now. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to MetroFocus. You can take our award-winning program with you wherever you go with MetroFocus, the podcast. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Or simply ask your smart speaker to play MetroFocus, the podcast. Also available at MetroFocus.org, WLIW.org slash radio, and on the NPR One app.